0: Hillary Clinton says she broadly supports driver's license for illegal aliens. We'll ask a former INS official if it's a good idea. Is the imposition of emergency rule in Pakistan a setback in the quest for democracy in the Middle East? We'll ask Noni Darwish, the daughter of an Islamic martyr. And NBC is traveling the globe talking about global warming. Is it truth or hype? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev
2: tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is, is. Yes.
0: president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson.
4: Yes, we should be prepared to do that.
5: That's Fred Thompson. He's running for president of the United States. He said on NBC's Meet the Press, he thinks the U.S. should be ready to stage a preemptive strike against Iran. Why? Because they pose a nuclear threat. Also, Pakistan, which has nuclear weapons, very unstable right now. We're going to talk about that later on the program, Penna. I want to remind everyone right now, though, next week, November 14, the battle, the battle for truth. Beware of false prophets Next Wednesday night, a
6: Town Hall Jerry Johnson Live special. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. All hands on deck working on preparing for this. Well, also, Dr. Johnson, Hillary Clinton is trying to clarify her position regarding driver's licenses for illegal aliens. We talked about it several times last week. This comes from a proposal by the New York governor, Elliot Spitzer, and uh, Hillary says she broadly supports this. But our guest in the next segment, Michael Cutler, says that a driver's license provides the keys to the kingdom for illegals. We'll talk about uh, what that means. Also, Noni Darwish was raised as a Muslim in Cairo. She's now a Christian. Her father was a martyr, and she's going to talk about the psychology behind jihad. She'll also weigh in why Pakistani President Masharraf actually found it necessary over the weekend to impose emergency rule.
5: Okay, and we're going to also ask her about this Holy Land trial mm-hmm. here based in Richardson, Texas, these front groups for terrorists raising money, and uh, that was a mistrial. We're going to talk to her about that group and what she knows about them. But I know most Christians are still kind of um, in a state of limbo, pen, I think, about the presidential mm-hmm. election for next year. They've got all of these candidates out there. It seems like it's hard to find one of the Democrats that's pro-life or a pro-traditional, biblical kind of a marriage. But even in the Republican ranks, we see uh, no coalescing yet around any particular candidate. And actually, two of the candidates that seem to be uh, uh, running up near the top tier, Mike Huckabee and Fred Thompson, uh, seem to be sparring it out maybe this week. And I want our listeners uh, to listen to this interview. This is Senator Fred Thompson On Fox News, he's being asked to comment, and I want you to call. The number is 800-881-9270. That's 800-881-9270. I want you to listen to this interview, and I want your reaction to this, because uh, Fred Thompson uh, is asked to comment on Mike Huckabee's jabs at him.
0: You, you come into this race and you describe yourself as sort of the common-sense conservative. Uh, this morning one of your rivals takes a shot at you for your opposition to the Republican Party platform plank that says that the party should support a constitutional amendment banning abortion. And it's Mike Huckabee that I'm referring to. I'll read you his quote. He also takes issue with your opposition to a constitutional ban on gay marriage by saying the marriage and life amendments are critical issues. Senator Thompson's philosophy seems to be more Cut and run when it comes to these issues, rather than stand and lead, Senator Mike Huckabee.
4: Yeah, well, I don't need to justify myself to the governor. Uh, my record is uh, clear, 100% pro-life voting record over eight years uh, at the national level. Uh, the proof's in the pudding. There, go back and look at all that record. Um, my whole career, I've said Roe versus Wade was wrongfully decided. I've been pro-life all my career and and always will be. The the difference with me and and, uh, most of the rest of them is that that's where I was yesterday, that's where I am today, that's where I'll be uh, tomorrow. Now, you know, we can spend a lot of time and he can spend a lot of time going back into the 90s and trying to revive old battles or we can try to do something about today. I've got a constitutional amendment on gay marriage that I think is workable and fits in with our constitution and passable. Uh, Some people want to grind away at things that are many, many years old and have no chance of passing. Uh, Governor Governor Huckabee talks about this, I suppose, because it's the only conservative position he's got. Uh, People talk about sanctuary cities. He apparently wanted a sanctuary state uh, in Arkansas. Uh, he's very weak on immigration policy. Uh, he was one of the highest taxing governors that we, uh, that we had, uh, in this country and, uh, rivaling Bill Clinton, uh, in terms of the Cato ratings and getting in, getting a D when Clinton got a D and getting an F for part of his administration. So I can understand why he might want to talk solely about this issue. All right. Strong
5: words mm-hmm. among the Republicans. If you have a reaction, 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Uh, Governor Huckabee was uh, in Dallas this weekend at Prestonwood Baptist Church. Later, we're going to play some sound from that appearance. But um, Governor Huckabee has been strong for the constitutional amendment to define marriage. But Fred Thompson has said, as a federalist, no, we cannot impose that on the states from the top down. Actually, he has a different kind of amendment, which would say that uh, each state can decide for itself and no states definition would be imposing back on another state, but we'll end up maybe with a lot of... have a
6: patchwork of uh, different marriage situations all over the country.
5: Yeah, and so... um, But there's Thompson saying, look, my record is pro-life, and uh, also fiscally conservative, and Huckabee's been very clear pro-life, very clear pro-marriage. But uh, many have said, and I think it's interesting that Thompson brings this up, that... uh, Huckabee is announcing a large social agenda, maybe larger government. He has a lot for the poor and clean water and schools and spending a lot of money out there. And Thompson is saying, look, this fellow wants to raise taxes. This fellow wants to spend a lot. That's his record. And Cato rates him as uh, in spending a moderate or a liberal. Uh, what do you think of that Penna?
6: Well, I think that uh, this should be a debate question and I do think that uh, Mike Huckabee, who is so conservative on the social issues, ought to be able to formulate a clear response to these questions about his taxing and his immigration policies. I have heard him talk about taxing and that the taxes he raised were for infrastructure and things that were necessary for Arkansas as a poor state, also education. So I really want to hear him give a clear position and also Fred Thompson and whoever sort of in that same tier, on some of these issues that are bothering people right now. I will mention on the issue of abortion that Fred Thompson has not been for a human life amendment, which is part of the Republican platform, and that's what they're attacking him on right now. He is for overturning Roe v. Wade, which would throw it back into the states. I've got a big problem with this idea of different marriage definitions Mm. in different states that he advocates, though. I think you need to go for the whole banana, which is really saying that uh, the Constitution forbids same-sex marriage. I think so that's the way it should happen. Question. It's federal marriage amendment.
5: Some callers on the line. I'd be very interested to see what you think. we got Harry on the line from McKinney. Harry, who do you go for? Thompson or Huckabee?
2: I go for Huckabee. Tell us why. Well, uh, I have heard Huckabee speak twice. Uh, I've actually met the man once, and my impression of Huckabee is that he's solid, he's real. Uh, I... Um, I would like for him to give a very definite, uh, detailed outline on his policy uh, concerning immigration, but uh, my recollection of Huckabee is that uh, he is for controlling immigration, and I'm very much for that. Uh, I think Thompson has uh, really refused to take a definite stand on homosexual marriage. I think he's weak in that area. All in all, I'm very impressed with Huckabee uh, concerning everything I've said. I think the tax issue is, uh, concerning him is a little unfair to him because people haven't taken the time to really explain What those tax issues involved.
5: We need to look at that, Harry. I'll tell you this Huckabee seems to be the most effective speaker. There's no doubt about that. A very effective communicator to crowds of all kinds. We've got Peter on the line from Hearst. Peter, thank you for calling. Peter, is it Thompson or Huckabee for you? I like Mike. Tell us why.
7: Well, for a number of reasons. Number one, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Mm. Okay? He's not ashamed to say that, yes, he, in fact, at the Southern Baptist Convention in the early two th- early, de- early this decade, he made a statement that he wanted to bring America back to Christ. Mm. And then que- when reporters questioned him that earlier this year, he again repeated that. And the reason, he said, is that Christ taught us to love each other and to treat each other well. He said, what's wrong with that? How mm-hmm. could anybody object to that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, Concerning the tax issue, um, there were certain... A Supreme Court decisions that required them to spend more money in Arkansas. That he had, and, and he by law was required to balance the ju- the, the, the the budget. Mm. Um, but he is also in favor of the fair tax, which um, basically is a consumption-based tax, um, which would completely get rid of the IRS, completely get rid of, get rid of the income tax, completely get rid of all, all the estate taxes, and drastically decrease spending. Um, and uh, he he just seems to be a likeable fellow he's he's uh, he also has um, experience governing a state not right. just making laws as senators and, and representatives do but actually actually being in an executive level office
5: thanks peter no doubt i think uh, that he is a very effective communicator and he comes across as a nice guy and he has risen from the sort of the also-rans uh, now to being competitive In uh,
6: Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, the early primary states, he's got a chance, Pena. The Washington Post today came out with something that said Huckabee could rock the 2008 vote. And there's also USA Today talking about Huckabee building financial support. His numbers are up. uh, I mean, evangelical support. His money is not up. Uh, He's got a lot of people excited about him, but I don't think he has the dollars to match. Whether that'll flow or not probably depends on Iowa.
5: Well, he was in town over the weekend. Huckabee was. He spoke at Prestonwood Baptist Church. We're going to play some of that sound later in the program. You don't want to miss that. But Fred Thompson saying, look, I voted pro-life in the Senate consistently, and he says he has a constitutional amendment plan to limit or restrict gay marriage being imposed from other states on uh, more conservative states. And Fred Thompson really saying he's the economic conservative. And a lot of people think, Pena, that the conservative movement has been a coalition of three expressions, a three-legged stool, economic conservatives, um, military, defense mm-hmm. kinds of conservatives, and then the family values. Social uh, conservatives. Social conservatives. And if any candidate cannot bring along the other two, uh, he's going to be weak weak. When it comes to the nomination and even the general election. You really need all three. And so Huckabee or Thompson are going to have to appeal to all three groups to really pull it off like Reagan did, like George Bush did. And then later, after you get elected, uh, one or two of the groups may get upset with you, which is probably what happened mm-hmm. with President Bush. And, uh... So you think Giuliani really doesn't pull one of the legs I don't think he does. I don't either. And so I think that's where he's going to have problems when it comes to the primary. But we shall see. But Hillary Clinton is getting into trouble. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about her. She is saying she wants illegal aliens to get driver's licenses. Now we're going to talk to an expert, Michael Cutler, and we're going to ask what this would do. In terms of national security, what would it do for voting? We're going to have a lot of voter fraud if illegal aliens get these driver's licenses. We're going to listen to Hillary Clinton again. Let her speak for herself when we come back. And then later on in the program, we'll be talking about terrorism and Islam with Noni Darwish. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penedexter. We're at Criswell College. We'll be right back.
1: November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall series is back. The Battle for the Truth. Beware the False Prophets, a town hall meeting to focus our gaze back on Christ and the truth of God's Word.
2: What a great opportunity to remind people that what the Bible says is true. Truth.
1: Special guest panelists include Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Barry Cameron, pastor of Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie, with special insight from John MacArthur, host of Grace to You, Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, George Barna of the Barna Group, and more. Hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of the Criswell College in Dallas, Wednesday, November 14th, 7 p.m., and live from Crossroads Christian Church. The truth. Fight for it with us. November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
8: Senator Clinton, I just want to make sure what I heard. Do you, the New York Senator, Hillary Clinton, support the New York governor's plan to give illegal immigrants a driver's license? You told the National Hampshire paper it made a lot of sense. Do you support his plan?
4: You know, Tim, this is where everybody plays gotcha. It makes a lot of sense. What is the governor supposed to do? He is dealing with a serious problem. We have failed, and George Bush has failed. Do I think this is the best thing for any governor to do? No. But do I understand the sense of of real desperation trying to get a handle on this? Remember, in New York, we want to know who's in New York. We want people to come out of the shadows. He's making an honest effort to do it. We should have passed immigration reform. I want to
8: add something that Chris Dodd just said a minute ago, because I don't want it to go unnoticed.
4: Unless I missed something, Senator Clinton said two different things in the course of about two minutes, uh, just a few minutes ago. And I think this is a real issue for the country. I
8: mean, America is looking for a president who will say the same thing, who will be consistent, who will be straight with them. Because what we've had for seven years is double talk from Bush and from Cheney, and I think America deserves deserves to be straight. All
5: right, that's Senator John Edwards criticizing Senator Hillary Clinton because when she was asked, Point blank, did she agree with Governor Elliot Spitzer of New York in providing driver's license f- for illegal aliens? She said, well, it makes a lot of sense, but I'm not saying I'm supporting it. But uh, by the next day, her camp issued this statement, quote, I broadly support what governors like Elliot Spitzer are trying to do, end quote. So she's on record now saying, I support this notion, of giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens what do you think about that with us to talk about it is michael cutler he's a fellow at the center for immigration studies he worked at the i n s for over thirty years welcome back to the program michael
8: thanks for having me jerry i hope you and ben are having a wonderful evening it's always a joy to join you guys on the air you do a great job of getting so much important information out there to your listeners
5: all right your reaction to this story
8: <laughs> well i think you know my reaction You know, it's astounding to me that we have people that want to be the president of the United States, and they are willing to cheapen citizenship. They are willing to imperil national security, and I don't care which political party they belong to. By the way, I happen to be a registered Democrat, uh, although I wish the Democratic Party really had Democrats in the party these days running for office. It's astounding. Driver's licenses represent the keys to the kingdom. If you consider the different ways that we use a driver's license, it does more than convey the authority to drive a vehicle. We use driver's licenses as a form of what is supposed to be secure, positive identification. If you make a purchase in a store, you provide a credit card or a personal check, they want to see a driver's license. To get on board an airplane or to enter an office building or a federal or state office building, they want to see a driver's license. If you're looking for a job and you fill out the I-9 as you're supposed to, One of the documents that you can show to prove identity so that you can work is a driver's license. It's also interesting to note that under the Immigration and Nationality Act of the United States, which are the laws that ICE and CBP are supposed to enforce, if you intentionally provide a lift, transportation, to an illegal alien, you are committing a five-year felony, and your vehicle can be confiscated, and you can not only go to jail, but you can be fined significantly. Wow. So if you look at all of those components to this, and, and, you know, the argument that we hear that, well, we want to get these people out of the shadows, so now we will know who they are, let's really be honest with each other about this one also. There is absolutely nothing that would prevent a terrorist or a criminal From getting a driver's license under one name and continuing to use a multitude of false names all at the same time and using that official piece of identification, that driver's license, when it becomes convenient to have a clean set of identities. Uh, This doesn't get them out of the shadows. What it really does is to create a national security nightmare for the United States, provide another incentive for illegal aliens to come across our borders, not just... Uh, to go to New York, but to come across the border, head to New York, and then you know fan out throughout the country. It endangers the whole country, and this from the governor of the second most populous state and from the state that was the most heav- heavily hammered on September 11th, 2001. I, I think you know where I stand mm-hmm. on this
6: issue. Mike Cutler is with us. Uh, Michael, you-, you hear these arguments that this is going to make the roads safer in New York, oh, and also that Hillary said, you know, people are telling her stories about how they're hit by illegal, unlicensed drivers, right. and that this is going to somehow fix that.
8: Well, I've got to tell you, these folks are incredible. She stopped short of saying that driver's licenses would cure dandruff also. (laughs) Uh, Look, the bottom line is this. First of all, and I made this argument. I testified before the New York State Legislature on this point. And they say, well, they're going to drive anyway, so we should give them licenses. And my response is, well, in New York, which is a strong gun control state, criminals are going to carry guns anyway. So why don't we give gun permits to people with extensive criminal histories? provide them with really good firearms instructions so the next time they're involved in a shootout, they're less likely to hit innocent bystanders. I guess then you could say, we're improving public safety. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. And by the way, if you carry a driver's license in your wallet, it's a get-out-of-jail card, because I I know that most folks out there will will scratch their heads initially when I say this, but when you think about it, a summons issued by a police officer is a courtesy. Now, before you jump up and down and think I've lost my mind, what I mean is, If you're caught speeding or running a red light or blowing a stop sign, uh, the police officer has the authority to arrest you if, in his judgment, he decides you are likely to not show up for a motor vehicle hearing. He's basically acting as judge and jury out there in the street determining your likelihood of flight, your likelihood of, of jumping. And if you have a license, the most likely result is he'll simply give you a ticket and let you go on your merry way. If you have no driver's license and no way of proving who you are, The likelihood of of flight is extremely increased at that point, and that cop is most likely going to slap handcuffs on you. So, in fact, when you give somebody a ticket, uh, rather than give them the ticket, you're going to arrest them. So a a driver's license would provide an illegal alien with the assurance that the likelihood of being involved in a traffic situation uh, is that he'll simply get a summons and not be arrested. This makes absolutely no sense at all.
5: This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Michael Cutler, a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. He worked at the INS for over 30 years. Uh, Michael, you mentioned that you're a registered Democrat. I I want to quote another Democrat, James Carville. He said this, The centrality of the illegal immigration to the current discontent about the direction of the country may be taking us back again to a welfare moment. Uh, Michael Barone has written, This is a watershed moment on immigration. Here's my question for you. Do you think that the illegal immigration crisis could drive the election of the next president of the United States?
7: Oh,
8: I, I can't imagine that it would not. If you look at all of the aspects of America that are significantly impacted by immigration... Uh, you cannot ignore it. I mean this is really the two thousand pound elephant sitting in the corner of the room. You just can't ignore the darn thing. It impacts everything from health care, education, the economy, the environment, the criminal justice and national security. It impacts labor. How many people are having trouble meeting their mortgage payments right now? Now, you know, we hear an awful lot about unemployment, but nobody talks about underemployment. If you look at what is this massive influx of cheap labor has done to so many industries, my dad was a construction worker, he was a plumber day laborers are hammering the construction trades. Uh, You know, labor is a commodity not unlike petroleum or gold or diamonds. The more you have of it, when you can flood the marketplace, the cheaper that that commodity becomes. That's why De Beers and Company, the diamond company, uh, tries to keep a certain number of diamonds out of the marketplace at any one time to make certain that the price stays high. If you flood the market, you drive down the, the prices.
6: So we're you, driving down wages.
8: We're driving down wages to a point where the average middle-class family can't make ends meet. You know, look at the, the meatpacking industry. The, Ten years ago, they were paying $19 an hour in Nebraska. You would expect that with inflation and so forth, they'd be earning $25 an hour by now. Do you know what they're paying now? $9 per hour. See, it's not that the illegal aliens do the work Americans won't do, it's that they will do it for substandard right. wages under illegally dangerous conditions. Uh, and we have these elitist politicians from both sides of the aisle who talk glowingly about the work the illegal aliens do that Americans won't do. I'd like to quote a guy by the name of Homer Hickam who wrote a book called October Sky. His dad was a coal miner in a town called Colville. He became an, a, a, an engineer for NASA uh, back in the 50s. So I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And he said... That there is no water holier than the sweat off a man's brow, and when I heard those words, when I watched the funeral service in, at uh, Sago, which is where he delivered that eulogy, my goosebumps had goosebumps because I thought of my dad and his buddies who were construction workers who built New York City, and I said, you know, the the work ethic of the construction workers or the folks in steel foundries, or the coal miners is the same. These are hard-working, blue-collar, can-do Americans who built our nation and continue to build it, except they're getting hammered by politicians who are in the pockets of folks with very deep pockets because they're looking for very cheap labor. But what they are doing is unraveling America's middle class that has been the engine for innovation and success in the United States. And that's a dangerous thing to be messing with.
5: Michael, uh, one final question on this. Driver's licenses for illegal immigrants, isn't this the issue that led to the recall of Gray Davis as governor in California?
8: Yes, and it should lead to the recall here. I can't even begin to tell you how angry I am about this issue. You know, I was in the New York State Senate a couple of weeks ago, October the 15th, and I listened to the commissioner for motor vehicles speaking. And the former commissioner, by the way, was sitting near me, and he was equally enraged. In fact, we had a very long conversation. We know each other. He's a good guy, the former commissioner. The current commissioner actually said the following, driving is not a a privilege, it is a necessity. (laughs) Now, I thought that I had entered a parallel universe. Hey,
5: Chris Dodd got that right at the debate. It is a privilege.
8: I mean, goodness gracious, everything I've ever learned since I was a kid back in high school, ever since my dad, may he rest in peace, turned over the, family, uh, the keys to the family car, driving most certainly is a privilege. Michael, we're out of
5: time. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> on a hard break. Me. Michael Cutler, a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, thank you. We'll have you back.
8: Thank you so much. Have a great evening, folks.
5: Alright, when we come back, what is the connection between Islam and terrorism? Is Islam a religion of peace? Is Islam driven, at the core, by anti-Semitism? We're also going to talk about this Holy Land trial. This is Richardson, Texas. This is the DFW area. And these folks were funding terrorists. We'll talk about it when we come back.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
6: I think the decision uh, sets Pakistan back in terms of uh, the considerable progress that it had made along the road to uh, democratic change.
5: All right, that's Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. She's talking about Pakistani President Musharraf, who's declared a state of emergency to put down some riots and some revolts. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. What would happen if Islamic terrorists got a hold of those nuclear weapons? What would be the risk? And we're going to talk about Islam the nature of Islam, and terrorism right now.
6: Well, the president of Pakistan over the weekend declared a state of emergency, and uh, that's all part of this equation. Uh, With us right now to talk about uh, Islamic Jihad is Noni Darwish. Uh, She's been on the program before. She understands this because she grew up in the midst of it. She fled Egypt uh, to the U.S. in her 20s. She's now an outspoken crusader against Islamic uh, fundamentalism. Her book is Now They Call Me Infidel, Why I Renounced Jihad for America, Israel, and the War on Terror. Noni, thank you for joining us.
9: Hi, Pena. Hi, Jerry. My pleasure.
6: Now, I know you understand Islamic Jihad and you understand the reasons uh, for these terrorist attacks, at least in the area that you grew up. Uh, can you kind of give us some sort of rationale for why you think the president of Pakistan felt he needed to declare this state of emergency?
9: Uh, absolutely. The danger now from the street explosions and riots is getting out of con- control. And uh, uh, I understand how Arab and Muslim leaders have to face such, uh, such a state of, uh, of rioting. Uh, the, the problem with Islamic Jihad starts in the, in the mosques, where they instigate hate, uh, anger, uh, sabotage. To them, the, the solution is always an intifada, an uprising, a coup d'etat or violence on the street, and this stems from the way they teach, they teach solutions. This is the solution for them in, in mosques. So
6: if they're unhappy about something, the mosques are teaching them that their solution is either suicide bombing or terrorist attacks, and so that just happens to be rising right now.
9: Yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, the riots that happened uh, over the Danish cartoons, they came out right from a mosque, Wow. In this kind of dynamic, where where anger emanates from the the street as a result of the way the way they teach Islam, the way they teach them the pride, the great pride, uh, and uh, and also no government is Muslim enough for them, Pena. No constitution is Islamic enough for them. Uh, only Allah's law, only the Quran is 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 the constitution. In this dynamic, only tyrannical governments can can survive in the Middle East. And you wonder why they are all ruled by dictators? Uh, most governments in the Middle East have either started after a coup d'etat or end up by a coup d'etat. And this is the situation whereby uh i'm not a fan of arab leaders but this is the only way they survive because the ones that that want peace with israel and sign peace treaties the ones that want to liberalize their their society and bring uh, uh, more freedom and uh, dignity to women muslim women what happened to these governments they get exploded they go and get an assassination against them. And a good example is Anwar Sadat.
5: Egypt, yes.
9: Another example is the Lebanese leaders who are being exploded one after the other now. And you know why? Because they are against Syria. They are against Syria's um, dictatorship. And they are against Hezbollah. And this is the situation in the Middle East. And then they go at the end and blame it on America. Oh, you're supporting our dictators. No, we have to stand up and say, no, we are not creating your dictators. You are creating your own dictatorships because your system promotes nothing but dictatorships. So
6: in one sense, what happened last week with this attack on Benazir Bhutto, who was going to share government Mm -hmm. with Musharraf, and there's about to be an election, and so this gets the folks riled up because they don't, this is not the situation that they want. They don't see the benefit of a democracy.
9: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's that's how they, they don't want her, perhaps because she's a woman. And uh, the Osama bin Laden is still lives there. You never know what his agenda is for Pakistan. He is uh, an al-Qaeda. And believe it or not, uh, he is really supported by many people in Pakistan. Uh, it the reason we cannot find Osama bin Laden until today, it's not because we're incompetent. It's because he is loved and admired and looked up to by many Muslims in the area. And there is not one any money that we put up on his head that's going to bring him to justice. The, these people have no respect for, for, what, for that he's doing terrorism and that he is a terrorist uh he's idealized by many and the situation is chaotic in the Middle East. They are and they are feeding on their feeling of victimhood, even though America is not victimized any victimizing anybody in the Middle East. To the contrary, not one of the good things that America does to the people in the Middle East to stabilize the situation is met with a thank you. It's always with how dare they desecrate Muslim land by, by, by existing on, on, on Muslim land, uh, our, our defense of the Muslims against the Serbs, our defense of the Muslims against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan, our feeding of the Somali Muslims against, who were starved by their own leadership, Muslim leadership, have not got, gotten us any kind of credit or respect in the middle east and you know why because the more we try to help them stabilize the situation the more they are they hate us because they don't they have a lot of pride they don't want to be rescued by infidels and this is the reason they want to uh, just accuse america and israel and the western general of all the problems they are suffering from because they don't want to take responsibility for their own uh, chaotic society stemming from uh, this archaic way of teaching religion, uh, because religion is not supposed to be uh, taught the, the way they are teaching it. But instead of reforming, no, they blame America. It's all America's fault.
5: This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Noni Darwish. She's written the book, Now They Call Me Infidel. Why I renounced Jihad for America, Israel, and the War on Terror. Noni, we're in Dallas, Texas today, and just a week or two ago, we had a major mistrial declared here in Dallas. Uh, the Holy Land Foundation for Relief and Development, a Dallas-based Muslim charity, was shut down by authorities for supporting terrorist and terrorism. We also have the Islamic Society of North America. We have CARE. Here's my question for you. Do you believe these groups are funding and supporting the Islamo-terrorists?
9: I believe they are. I believe there is a connection between them and uh, uh, the extremists in the Middle East who are funding them, supporting them. And they are fronts. Uh, they- Actually, the, the creator of CARE uh, in 1998 has announced, he advised Muslims in America not to melt. Don't assimilate in America because Islam is going to be the dominant religion in, in, uh, in America. So this is, <laughs> this is what they believe in. And I just came fr- back from London. And, uh, Jerry, I am extremely depressed for the British situation. There is a mega mosque being uh, yes. built. Uh, uh, but for the a, Olympics, for the time yes. of the Olympics. There is a, a British councilman who is against it, and he was taking signatures against it. And believe it or not, they are threatening the life of the British government official by posting on YouTube t- in memory of councilman Alan Craig, and they put his pictures and his family pictures, his wife and children and grandchildren, and at the end, Quranic verses that are recited for funerals. They are posting his obituary, and I don't know what more should the West wait for to declare that all these groups are friends. These, are, first of all, a re- this is not religion. We are allowing a very, one uh, Sharia law and a very elaborate system of uh, oppression to grow in our society under the pretense of religion.
5: It's a cancer. It's a suicide. And Noni, we're about out of time here. We've got to let you go, but I want to thank you for being with us. Your book, Now They Call Me Infidel, Noni Darwish, we'll have you back again.
9: Thank you, Jerry. Thank
5: you, Penna. All right, Pena. You know, I'll just mention, I've been going to England probably about 10 years now, every year annually, to do study mm-hmm. and research and writing with students and in my own academic work. And I can tell you it's changing. It's changing, particularly in London. You have whole sectors now of, of London that are run uh, by the Muslims and according to Sharia law. In fact, the British courts have relinquished their law in favor of Sharia law in these Muslim quarters. They allow the Imams and the Islamic courts to judge between a husband and his wife, between parents and their children. And uh, these people are not under British law. They're under Islamic Sharia law, sort of like the sovereign nation uh, reservations uh, that we might have with Indians, but even more, more so. And the situation has changed. There are people openly on the streets in London, saying, you know, 9-11 was great, killed the Americans. And, um, and Noni is right. It's a cancer. The Holy Land Foundation in Richardson care right here in Dallas. And we don't realize um, we've got a, a suicide wish right here in our, own, in our own midst. Well, when we come back, Al Gore and NBC in cahoots. On Global Warming Propaganda. Did you watch the football game last night?
1: November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. Barry Cameron.
2: A man named Don Piper has written a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven, where he details the story of a tragic car accident where he was dead for 90 minutes, and during that time, he claims he physically, actually went to heaven. He says, his most vivid memory of heaven is what I heard. He said he didn't hear songs like the old rugged cross or the nail-scarred hand. I thought, you know, I think I remember something over in Revelation. The Revelation about heaven that we do have, and we have God's word on it, seems to say something else. Revelation 5.11, John says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang. Now listen to what they sang. Worthy is the Lamb. It was slight.
1: The Battle for the Truth, November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
5: Well, if you watched that Dallas Cowboy game last night, you saw the broadcasters were broadcasting from their desk at the breaks in the dark by candlelight. Because this week, November 4th through eleven, is Green Week for NBC. Green is use of universal. Green is universal. That's their slogan. That's their campaign. And you saw Matt Lauer up at the Arctic Circle. Freezing. Yes, you saw uh, today Al Gore. And we've been staying on top of this global warming propaganda issue, and we're going to play now a couple of Al Gore sound bites. I want you to listen to these and be reminded of some of the experts we've had on the program and where Al Gore is wrong. Here's Al Gore being asked uh, about challenges to his view.
3: You know, back in 1992, the first President Bush called you Ozone Man. He ridiculed your efforts to bring attention to climate change. even called you crazy at one point. So is this vindication of a sort for you? Well, it's not about me. It's about getting this message out to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. We face a planetary emergency, Meredith. The climate crisis is by far the biggest challenge human civilization has ever faced. And we're putting 70 million tons of global warming pollution into the Earth's atmosphere every single day, as if it's an open sewer. And that pollution is trapping a lot more of the sun's heat, and that's raising temperatures, melting the ice, making the storms stronger, lengthening and deepening the droughts, ironically also making flooding worse and moving tropical diseases uh, into temperate latitudes and causing a range of other changes that are not good for human civilization. But the good news is we can stop it and uh, solving this crisis will lead to positive changes that improve the quality of our lives.
5: Pena, what do you think of that?
6: Well, Al Gore uh, attributes an awful lot of ills to global warming. And, you know, I think the the main point we always have to make is it's only been measured for a short amount of time relative to the the universe. And these, um, these alarmist statements about global warming are based solely on uh, models, computer models and predictions. And so, uh, you know, he's making a huge, huge case here. And it's just amazing to me that NBC would jump in on this and... And, you know, first of all, one week of candlelight is going to do absolutely nothing. (laughs)
5: Well, I'll guarantee this. I saw the electronic uh, um, New York City ticker uh, in the background, and if somebody would have – Checked out how much energy that thing yeah. was using last night. Or Al Gore's airplanes. Or if you look at their website, all the new design for their campaign. I mean, that was just to show a pretense on the set last night in terms of saving energy. But Gore said in that quote, the climate crisis is the biggest challenge humanity human civilization has ever faced. Does he really mean that? Six million Jews killed in the Mm -hmm. Holocaust. Does he really mean this is the biggest crisis human civilization has ever faced? No wonder the British judge said, look, this is propaganda. Now, here is Al Gore when challenged by a scientist who was on the IPCC committee, who won the Peace Prize, not the Science Prize. There is a Nobel Science Prize. He did not win that. He won a Peace Prize. It's a political prize. And he's challenged on the NBC Today show about that defector. You
3: know, you share the prize with scientists from the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And one of those scientists, John Christie, wrote an op-ed last Thursday in the Wall Street Journal in which he criticized your dire predictions about the impact of global warming. He wrote, I see neither the developing catastrophe nor the smoking gun proving that human activity is to blame for most of the warming we see. So what do you make of his assessment? Well, um, he's an outlier. He no longer belongs to the IPCC, and he is way outside uh, the scientific consensus. Uh, but Meredith, part of the part of the challenge the news media has had in covering this story is the the old habit of taking the on the one hand, on the other hand approach. Uh, there are still people who believe that the Earth is flat, but when you're reporting on a story like the one you're covering today, where you have people all around the world, you don't take, uh, you don't search out for someone who still believes the Earth is flat and give them equal time. And the reason that's the IPCC enough of that.
5: Al Gore saying that this man was an outlier. Mm-mm. Well, that's better than being a liar. And uh, he said he's way outside the consensus, the scientific consensus, and he's chiding the media for actually bringing this up. He says, you know, the media has got an old habit of, on the one hand, this, and on the other hand, that. Both sides of the story. Exactly. Gore is actually saying on national television, you should only cover one side of the argument. I cannot believe he said that. I cannot believe the reporter did not challenge him. Uh, NASA has gone back and corrected the the records that Gore put in his movie. Uh, the cold, the warmest day was not in the 90s. It was 1934. Four of the warmest ten days were in the first part of the 20th century, not the last part of the 20th century. And we had on this program just last week, Dr. Richard Lindzen, professor of atmospheric science at. MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, he is certainly not an outlier. I mean, he holds a chair, the Alfred Sloan chair at MIT, and I think Gore is um, just— not willing to face up to these challenges.
6: This op-ed writer, John Christie, is not an outlier. He's director of the Earth System of Science Center at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. He was on the IPCC. In fact, he is on the IPCC. And there's a picture on his op-ed of icebergs in Antarctica. And the iceberg is at a, rec- uh, set a record maximum for size last month—a uh, maximum where Al Gore says it's shrinking. So there are just many facts that refute him, and to say that it's not fair to bring the other side is absolutely ridiculous. It shows him to be a buffoon, I think.
5: Mm. So maybe the first president Bush was right, old man, crazy. Maybe he's maybe. right about that. I don't know. Well, Al Gore is a Southern Baptist. He's supposed to be a Christian. And uh, he should know that the Bible says this, "...for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now." And then he goes on to talk about the return of Christ and how not only we will be liberated but creation will be liberated from the curse. That is the Christian worldview. Now let's hear this appeal from Mike Huckabee at Prestonwood Baptist Church.
2: The fact is what the Lord really wants to do is to cause us to experience the greatest joy in all the world, the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, the joy of knowing what it means to follow Him, and the joy of knowing that no matter what happens on this earth, that He takes us to a point
5: of victory in our lives. Al Gore, the greatest challenge is to get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That message of hope and peace and forgiveness and purpose. Getting that message to the billion or so who've never heard. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. We'll be back tomorrow.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live